This episode of 40 Under 40 is proudly sponsored by Konica Minolta, a global leader in innovative printing solutions. Just as our young leaders are shaping our industry, Konica Minolta aims to partner with clients to give shape to ideas by supporting their digital transformation through its expansive, intelligent, connected workplace portfolio. Let Konica Minolta transform your workplace experience and drive dynamic business change. Welcome to the NPSOA's 40 Under 40, the podcast where we spotlight the rising stars of the print and sign industry. I'm your host, Paul Strack, and together we'll dive into the inspiring stories of young entrepreneurs who are redefining our industry. That the print industry is so unique and so niche and there's so much to learn and there's print everywhere, so the opportunity for growth is insane. So I think just knowing that there's so much more you can do and so much more to learn and so much more to be done is inspiring. Like it's different every day. It's certainly not boring. And there's just a plethora of things you can always be doing. Get ready for captivating conversations on innovation, technology, sustainability, and the ever-evolving landscape of printing. Welcome to 40 Under 40, where youth meets expertise and inspiration ignites transformation. Let's begin. Welcome to the NPSOA podcast of our 40 Under 40 series. In this podcast, we talk with the rising stars of the print and sign industries. And I'm very excited today to have with us Marnie Smith from Curry Printing out of Baltimore, Maryland. Welcome, Marnie. Thank you so much for having me, Paul. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited about this. I've met you a couple years ago at the NPSOA conference, Mm -hmm. and I've had fun looking into your background. So why don't you share a little bit with our audience about your background and how you got to be involved with Curry Printing today? Yeah, definitely. So I guess printing is kind of runs in our blood as my grandma owned Curry, my mom bought it from her, and now I work at Curry now. But I just remember growing up, we were always in the shop, my sister and I like helping out on the weekends and such. So I've always just like been around it. But um, a little bit about me, went to college, had a sales job there. And then that's kind of when I realized that I really like sales and worked there after college. And after a few years being there, kind of wanted to get something more of a mature professional job, which we can get into. Um, And that's what brought me to Curry now. Good. And how long have you been in Curry? Actually, I think today's my third year anniversary there. Well, happy anniversary. Years. How Thank exciting. You. Yeah. So you, you, you talked a little bit that you enjoy sales. And I think mm-hmm. you're unique in this industry. Many reasons. One, you are quite young for the average age in this industry. It's, it's a mature industry, mm-hmm. as we've talked about. But while we all are involved in sales to some extent because we have to be you chose to be in sales you enjoy that how 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 did that bug bite you yeah i really have to credit it all to my first job in college with university tees it's a custom apparel and promotional company that works solely with colleges across the u.s so when i was in college my sophomore year i had this role as a campus manager so basically i was selling t-shirts and promo products on campus to different sororities, fraternities, organizations, whatever. So that was kind of like me dipping my toes into the sales water, if you will. And I really enjoyed it. I loved getting to know other people and helping them get products that they really like and seeing how excited they were when they opened the boxes of like the t-shirts for whatever event they were having. So I did that through college and then had my sales internship 
with the company at their headquarters. And then after that summer of being an intern there, they offered me a full-time job once I graduated. Great. Mm -hmm. Looking at your resume and background on LinkedIn, it didn't appear that you started out that you were going to be in a sales position. You are a political science major, correct? And you studied art in Rome. So how did we go from (laughs) there to this business? Yeah, it's a weird um, start with that. So I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. And then I, which sparked the political science major. And with that, I also really liked political science because all of our exams and tests and stuff were all papers. And I much prefer writing a paper than taking like a multiple choice test. So that was that and want to be a lawyer. So I was like, Latin will help with learning more of the language. And I've also been taking Latin since lower or middle school. So I really liked, liked it. And once I realized that being a lawyer, you have to be really good at reading and public speaking. I was just like, not for me. So then the campus manager position kind of fell into my lap. And I was like, let's try this and see if I like it. Oh, very interesting. Well, let's talk about sales. So yes, you're title is business development, which is code word for sales. So is your Mm -hmm. sales role outside sales, inside sales, a little of both? Yeah, so it's definitely outside sales, um, really trying to prospect for new business and then maintain existing accounts, of course. But once this new business turns into existing clients, I kind of have, we have a CSR, customer service rep at the shop who kind of help assist me with those jobs for more like reorder stuff. Um, but my main goal is to get out there and get new business. New business. Okay, bring in new business. So what processes do you go through when prospecting or finding those potential acquisition targets, if you will? Yeah. So there's like there's two routes that we could take for that we use for that. First one being referrals, of course, that's like the easiest way to get new business is to ask existing clients who enjoy working with us if they know anyone that they could refer me to. And the second route is kind of more of a traditional path. So researching organizations and companies in the area, similar to clients that we already work with and making the list of those companies and finding out who works there, who to contact, who would be the best person to reach out to, and then kind of putting them through the sales cycle, prospecting cycle. During that process, I would imagine you hear the word no a lot. Do you ever get Only used exclusively. to <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever get used to or how do you handle the constant objections or rejections in in the world yeah. of sales? Um you just can't like take it personally. It takes a while to get to that point where if like someone's yelling in your face, stop calling, you just have to be like, yeah, you're right. I'll stop calling or find someone else to talk to. And it's kind of like similar when you get spam calls on your phone of people trying to sell you something. It's like, stop calling me. I don't want any part of this. So that's why the research process has to be really, really well developed because you shouldn't be reaching out to someone that you'll get an immediate no from it should be to someone who actually could value your service that you have to offer them and kind of approaching it in the right way through that i've learned kind of how to do that with bill farquison obviously because mm-hmm. he is the sales guru in the print world um but it definitely hurts hearing now it's always a little bit of a sting but you just gotta keep on yeah trying to find new business. 
Well, Bill does a great job, but I'm a bigger fan of his brother Andy. We all know that. So, um, <laughs> has the process changed much post COVID? Yes. So, well, I started at Curry May of 2020 or June of 2020. So, I only know working at Curry in a okay. COVID world. But prior to that, um, it was a lot of seeing clients in person. The other saleswoman at Curry, she was like, rarely in the office because she was out meeting with clients all day every day in person but now no one's in the office still right. like a lot of companies have gone fully remote or it's hard to track people down on what days they're in and what days they're not and people now would just much prefer conversation over the phone which is difficult because i feel like in order to have build up a rapport with someone it's in person or at very least over a zoom call like this so that has definitely changed the way that we talk with clients and meeting them and tracking them down at mm -hmm. their doors, at their offices, which isn't really a thing anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so so cold, call, cold calls really are a thing of the past. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I definitely still make cold calls, but I try to make them warm calls. Right. So like sending letters, emails, and postcards and such before the call happens. So what are you selling? Yeah, right. Um, well, to, if you ask my friends, I think they would probably say I sell paper printers like the uh -huh. office, the show. But <laughs> what I actually sell is knowledge and education and solutions. And solutions sound so cliche, but the print world, it's like a black hole of knowledge. You're not entirely sure how it works, what it does. You just know that you need something and you just press a button and it like comes out the other end. But that's not at all how it works, as we know. You have insane machinery, equipment, really complex, unique jobs that we need to educate our clients on how it actually happens, how it gets printed, and be transparent every step of the way. So I like to let my clients know like we sell transparency and solutions and you'll be aware of every single part of the process. If that's what you like. If not, then you don't have to be involved at all. But just kind of letting them know exactly what they're getting versus just saying, this is how we're going to do it. Right. So mm -hmm. Curry is known for, and it's on your website, Impossible Deadlines Met. Is that a huge selling point? Does that win? Yes. That wins people over. Yes. Yeah, it definitely is a big selling point because... A lot of people, when they're preparing for events, they don't really think of the pro, like paper promotional product part of that. So like the brochures, the signs, the banners, the backdrops, etc. They're so busy focusing on for months in advance of getting people to sign up for the event or I don't know exactly the presentations they're going to be giving, whatever it is that they're doing that promotional products and the paper stuff that they need to market themselves at the events kind of fall to the back burner until the week before they're like oh we need a thousand brochures tomorrow to hand out to people can you do it and we're like yeah of course like that's what we do so it definitely is a big selling point for that what do you enjoy most about the sales cycle do you like closing the sale or do you like it seeing the results of that so you alluded to you know any successful event that you've sold the preparation materials for which which brings you more happiness from that standpoint the most happiness i get is when the job is closed and posted obviously it's very exciting <laughs> but no i get really excited when 
the client is like, you saved my day. Like, thank you so much for turning this around so quickly. The process was super easy. And like, I didn't know how I was going to get this done. So it's really nice. Maybe it's like an ego thing, but it's really nice helping the clients and then like actually appreciating what we're able to do for them. I think we all see that. I mean, you know, our tagline is we help our clients market smarter. And so when we see yeah. the results, yeah, we love closing the deal. But when we see the actual fruits of our labor help our clients grow, I, I, I get the, a lot of satisfaction in that, too. Yeah, we like we yeah. like signing the, yes, I want this, <laughs> but we like to see the results. Right. If you don't mind sharing just a little bit about, because one of the ongoing discussions amongst print owners is how do we compensate our salespeople? Some we say we give them a flat salary, some it's salary plus commission. Do you mind sharing a little bit about how you're compensated? Yeah, so I am um, salary plus commission. For new business, it's a little bit of a higher percentage. For existing accounts, it's a little bit of lower than new business. Um, so that kind of encourages the incentive to get new business because you make more money off of that. Sure. So that's okay. always nice. Okay, that's fair. Okay. Let's... Um, switch gears a little bit so you mentioned it's a third generation business mm -hmm. i have my kids some of your age and like i said we have to qualify with legal counsel that you are under 40 definitely <laughs> um but so i worked with my folks 25 years or more um so my kids my oldest has been with me about five years so you are the third in line if if that tell us about your experience the family dynamics of working closely with your mom Paula, and your mom that this. many of us know is Paula Fargo. So Yes. I love talking about this because working with family can be really scary and like an intimidating thing. But for us, it was never really like working with your family because my mom has always raised my sister and I kind of as like her little mini employees. We've always had a very <laughs> like adult mature really good working relationship. We're super honest and open with each other. There's, we're really respectful with each other. So it wasn't really a concern to work with my mom per se, but I was more concerned with like how my coworkers would think of me. Like they'd be like, oh, you're just like the boss's daughter. That's why you got this job. But mind you, I went through a very long hiring process to avoid that. And also now I think I've earned the respect of my fellow coworkers that none of them see me that way, even though they've known me since I was a toddler. So, but working with my mom is great. It only has upsides. We're super close. She's in the office right next to mine. So it's great. <laughs> Paula has referred to on several occasions, the employment contract between you and her. Is that more of a parental contract or a employee <laughs> contract or a combination of both combination of the both i we i haven't even thought about that since we made it three years ago i think it was just an important thing for the both of us to do in case it backfired and the very slim chance that it would like i think something on it is like if we're talking about work too much on the weekends like here's a code word we can say to like chill out yeah. like it was She'd be, I'm sure she'd be happy to share with anyone who asked, but I think it was just kind of to have something in place, like for us to refer back to versus like saying, I don't know, having like a personal conversation about how our work relationship is going. Something to keep us safe. I don't know. Right. Right. I get that. <laughs> but you have a good balance of it. And, yeah. And you enjoy. So, um, you know, I think NPSOA this year is making a concerted effort to get those other family members involved or even to the conference. Mm -hmm. um, you've come to the conference a couple times. 
you enjoy coming to the conferences with your mom? Yeah. Oh my God. I love it. It's so much fun. It's cool meeting everyone there and having so many different types of conversations with the other owners. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. At what point when you realize that you didn't want to be a lawyer, at what point did you say, Hey, I think the family business is, was it automatic? Because like most of us in the business, family business, we grew up in it. Our kids have been involved in it. When did you think, yeah, I did this and I want to make this my career choice for the moment? Yeah. So I grew up saying paper was boring. I will never work for Curry. I don't want to work for my mom. Like that's, that was my, I was so dead set on that. However, after working with my old job for a few years after college, I was still working with college kids because I was employing them to sell on their campus. And I was just like, I need to not be with like students or these like young kids anymore. I need to be an adult and get like a real adult sales job. So I don't know if this was planned or not, but it just so happened that Curry was looking for another business development person at so another salesperson Mm -hmm. and paula was like can you read this ad that we're going to put out and i want to try to like gear it towards like a younger sales professional like yourself so like is this something that you would apply for and i was like can (laughs) can i she's like you don't want to do that and i was like i see what you're doing here no, but I after a few years of working with college kids after I was after I'd already graduated from college, I was like I need to be like around adults. So Yeah. Yeah. And oh, then cool. through all of the interviews and conversations that Paul and I had and other people at Curry and I had, it just sounded like a really good switch. At what point once you started at Curry Printing, did you feel like, hey, I'm really contributing to the growth of this business? you have an aha moment and, and i guess to rephrase it i know again i'm asking more about how the interrelationship between you and your mom because i know when there was a point when i felt man i'm really contributing to the family business that mm-hmm. turned that point so has there been that moment i guess there isn't like one particular moment just seeing my growth in sales and learning about the business over the last few years is kind of the aha moment, if you will. And seeing my efforts with getting new businesses in and turning them into existing accounts is always, you know, I mean, numbers speak for itself. So that's nice to see. And, you know, just the continued growth of being able, we're hiring more people, we're growing in sales and people. So just kind of seeing help contributing to the big cohesive unit that we are is nice. You know, no doubt have heard the saying that you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Mm. But I am sure there are things you brought to the table that you have, that opened the eyes for Paula, that you brought to your mom and said, hey, we need to start doing this this way. And she goes, oh my gosh, yes. So what what things have you contributed or what what new tricks have you taught your mom Mm. since you've been there? Well, it's hard to teach her new things because she's always learning and educating herself and trying new things. So <laughs> she stays on hard. top of everything. Yeah. yeah, she's hard to, um, you know, have a step in front of her. But I guess in terms of that specific, specific things would be like more marketing or social media stuff. Um, we have made a few videos on that we've put on our website where it's like we're talking about a product or one of our processes or what we can offer a client. And I've made these little like short 
like one to three minute videos and I bring my dog into them to try to like make it more exciting and I don't know try to make it easy and lighthearted and everybody loves dogs right everyone loves dogs right (laughs) so there's that and then also um before we had our current marketing manager here now I was kind of running helping out the social media stuff and so trying to make it more interesting for people to look at so like I don't know using different templates and making shorter clips and videos kind of what Bill Farkinson talked about just like making things more accessible and easy for people right right. Mm -hmm. Uh, just to follow up on that one thing you mentioned where you said yeah I was helping with the social media doing some marketing do you wear several hats or is it now just the silo of sales yeah so now it's just the silo of sales um but in the interim when we didn't have a specific marketing person i definitely helped with that too so but that hat has been since retired that's good yes it's (laughs) nice to it's nice to be able to put away some hats from time to time right going back on the question of what you felt you may have taught your mom on the flip side of that what have you learned from your mother during this time what thing that you said wow mom i didn't know that this is great how much time do you have she's only taught me so much well, it's called 40 under 40 so yeah. i think the biggest thing that i've learned from her so far is just learning how to talk to people and ask the right questions printing is really difficult and really confusing especially when you're just starting out and you have to sell something that you don't know how to sell yet so talking with her and when I'm think, talking to clients, I think of my conversations with her when she's like, you should ask them about this. Or if they say this, here's the next like question that you can ask about their product or what they need and how to get it printed. So learning how to ask the right questions she's taught me, which has been really helpful. Yeah, that's, that's more than half the battle on this is mm-hmm. knowing what to ask to get the right answers. Yeah. So what is there any one... Uh, area or one experience that has you would consider your most rewarding experience so far as a sales professional with curry printing Hmm. i don't know i mean just like getting any type of new business is always really exciting and most satisfactory and seeing those new clients get really excited to work with us probably i mean and specifically growing my account with the Baltimore City Public School System here. Um, they're difficult and sometimes can like it's a complex organization. So figuring out how to work with them has been really fun and growing those accounts and meeting more clients to, that I can help with their schools and whatever capacity that means. It's been really fun doing that. What has been the most frustrating or most disappointing experience so far the most frustrating probably is just still learning so much every day it's definitely gotten better now but like the first year I just kind of felt like a like a fish out of water I was just like floundering about I'm like I know I need to sell I don't know what I'm selling but I need to learn about paper in order to sell it but I also need to be selling it at the same time so it was really frustrating when I first started just because there was so much that I had to learn it was so overwhelming now, obviously, I, I mean, there's still so much more that I will learn, but I have a better grasp on what I'm selling now, which is nice. <laughs> Are you seeing more sales opportunities in areas such as promotional products, apparel, and even signage in wide format? 
Oh yeah, so much. Everyone loves promotional products. Like I have so much drinkware in my kitchen from events that I've been to that will just live there forever. That's free marketing for that company forever. So I think promotional products are such a great way to brand yourself, give gifts to your employees or other clients. I think it's great, especially with wide format signage too. There's so many creative ways you can run with it, whether it's like a backdrop or some type of like flag or whatever it is. There's so many cool things you can create that a client had never known existed. So it's fun. With your background and experience when you were in college and right out of college selling t-shirts, do you see, are there plans for growth in apparel sales? Do you see that taking off? Yeah, definitely. Screen printing and embroidery is huge. People love it. And I mean, who doesn't love getting a t-shirt for an event, like for a 5k or whatever? It's like, that's why you do the race for the t-shirt. So there's definitely much more to be done with that, I think. And we're still growing and learning how to perfect our screen printing ways and how to make it be more of a streamlined process. But yeah, there's definitely a lot there. Are you producing any of that in-house or are you sourcing that out? No, we um, we do all of our embroidery and screen printing in-house. Oh, okay. Okay, mm-hmm. good. So I, I would say going back to your example of events, you know, it's not just the promotion of the events with the posters and the brochures. I mean, you can sell the whole package. Hey, for this event, we have not only tools to get them to come to the event, tools for rewarding those that do come. So you've got mm-hmm. the complete package to sell them. Yeah. So I know you're a few years into the business, and this may be a premature question, but do you have plans or thoughts of becoming the next generation owner of Curry Printing? Uh, I was waiting for that question. (laughs) (laughs) That's what everyone seems to ask. Um, You know, there's nothing on the table. There's nothing off the table. Obviously, that's something that I think about a lot. Um, I'm not sure what the future holds, but for right now, I'm just trying to learn as much as I can about Curry, about the business that we sell of paper and all of the printed goodness that we produce, um, and just trying to be the best salesperson possible at the moment. But maybe the future maybe. holds something like right. that. I don't know. All right. We'll see. Good. And I'm sure I read it, but I probably forgot it. Where does the name Curry come into play in the business name? That's a great question, and I would love... There have been so many times over the years where I'm like, we should change the name. But when my grandma first started with Curry, it was a franchise. So we didn't like pick the name. I don't, I think it was just like the franchise's name. Okay. But right after my grandma started with Curry, like I think soon after that, the franchise like shut down. So they became like independently owned stores. I think that's how it works. And the name has just kind of stuck since okay yeah so i met you i guess a little over two years ago mm-hmm. at the conference and one of the things that struck me about you is you have this energy about you um, you know always vibrant full of energy and do you find that as being contagious do those that work <laughs> around you do they have the same energy does does your positive vibe fuel other positive vibes yeah, I think at Curry, all of my coworkers, we're a really unique group of people. We all have the same values, which is why we're all at this specific job. So we're all super similar in what we value in a work culture, if you will. So I think that's why we all work so well together. And 
I would say our energy definitely flows through everyone. We're all extremely sarcastic and <laughs> mildly rough with each other. So it makes it fun and we kind of feed off of that. At least I feed off of that. Um, so it's it's a good environment to be in. And like I said, we all have the same values. So I think that's what makes it work really well. I find sometimes, I've seen it in my daughter, that sometimes this industry, and probably any business, it can beat you down a little bit. There are days that just go wrong and continue to go wrong. How do you how do you recover? How do you fuel that energy? How do you get your mojo back to get the positive vibes going? A lot of wine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it definitely there are definitely days where at the end of the day, I'm like, literally not one thing right happened today. Like this was super frustrating and annoying, but you can't just like, you can dwell on it for a little bit, but it's not going to change anything. So you just kind of have to wake up the next day with a new attitude and try to like fix things and make it right. And Bill Farquharson always says, like, whatever you're going through is, like, temporary. So whether it's you're having a great sales month, like, that's temporary. The next month you might have, like, lower sales. But it just kind of ebbs and flows. So the bad days ebbs and flows with the good days. Is Speaking of that, is there anything in this industry, one thing that stands out that just annoys the heck out of you? That just, <laughs> whether it's a certain type client or a certain tradition we may have but what what annoys you in this industry maybe like people comparing us to with like in terms of like pricing wise they're like oh your cost is like triple of what i got from this online website and i'm like well that's because we're two completely different entities and so having to explain that to people is kind of annoying and then you don't get the business. But if they were comparing us to an online website, obviously we're not the best fit for each other. So that's fine. But probably just like when people are shocked at what goes into printing something that they thought would be like easy. But that's also our job to yeah. tell them differently. Yeah. So, Do you find people post-COVID... Well, let me back up. I find post-COVID there was a time where people were very patient because we all went through this together. Mm-hmm. I get the sense now that they seem to be losing that patience again. Do you see deadlines getting tighter and expectations increasing since then? Yes. And we talk about this a lot at the shop. When we bring in work orders, we print everything out on yellow paper, like the work order on yellow paper. But if it's a rush, it gets printed on orange, so people know to prioritize that. And seemingly everything is printed on orange paper. So it's like, if everything's a rush, what actually is a true rush? Um, It drives our sweet production team absolutely crazy. But I have noticed definitely that tighter deadlines, quicker turnarounds are being requested. And we try to get ahead of it. Like the other saleswoman and I, we try to get ahead and start working. If we know an event's coming up in months, we try to get our clients start thinking about it now, working on it now. But you can only do so much. You can't force someone into ordering something in a time that works for us. There's a lot of my Delaware clients, their like start date is Memorial Day weekend. So I like January through May, I'm like trying to be like, hey, you gotta get these items takes about three weeks turnaround for this stuff. Like, let's start this now. And then I don't hear from them until the week of Memorial Day weekend. So I'm like, where, where have you been? Like, where have you been? So yeah, deadlines definitely are getting shorter and shorter. Yes. And it's funny because you mentioned that Memorial Day never changes. I mean, nope. 
it's always the last Monday in these days, but people just, and they know about it. They have Mm -hmm. it on their calendar, but. They get so surprised that it comes up again. I'm like. Yeah, it does. It's, it's, oh, why? That's you. Yeah. Um, Have you had a job for a client where you've either at the deadline date, you realize the job was botched, it was a huge mistake, or you missed a promised deadline? And if so, how did you deal with that? Well, we don't miss deadlines. So <laughs> as long as you set the proper expectations with your clients and have it in writing, then everything can be met when it's supposed to be met. So if I'm working on a rush job, I tell a client like, hey, here's your proof. We need your approval by X date at X time in order to meet your deadline. If not, it has to be pushed back a day. But we just try to set the expectations and timelines very clear, especially if we're working with a hard deadline in order to avoid that. It's all about managing the expectations. Exactly. So I guess, you know, the the phrase um, under promise and over deliver is one you have to live by. Mm -hmm. Yes. Is there a printing term, a printing tradition, or some process that we have done for decades that drives you crazy and say, why do y'all do this? It makes no sense in 2023. Um, something that's outdated and crazy. I don't think so. Nothing really that I'm like, this doesn't make sense to be doing anymore. Just because I feel like I'm not even at a position where I have, I could have the audacity to be like, why are we doing this? I'm like, <laughs> I've been here three years. You guys have been doing yeah. this for 20 years. So what, who am I? But probably something that's like outdated is just like making copies for people. Like we just don't do that anymore. Like walk-in business like that. We're just yeah. too busy. We're not like just go down to FedEx or something down the street for that. That that has been a topic on some of our uh, listserv discussions. How do you discourage if if you are not set up for the walk-in business? Mm-hmm. You know, some people have used a minimum uh, order price or minimum mm-hmm. fee. How do y'all discourage that? Because <clears throat> you yeah, are have- you are in a downtown location, correct? Yeah, we are um, right on the street for people to come in at their leisure. Um, And when we do have that, we have like a little handout that says, gives like three different options. There's a FedEx or a couple other copy places around. Um, We have an order minimum of like 50 bucks, I think, something like that. Um, And if someone's looking to get copies, obviously they're not going to want to spend $50 on that. So we point them in a different direction. But we just explained to them that, yeah, we're no longer taking like walk-in business, but here's like where you can go. What in this business inspires you? What what here in this industry keeps you wanting to come back day in, day out? I think that the print industry is so unique and so niche and there's so much to learn and there's print everywhere. So the opportunity for growth is insane. So I think just knowing that there's so much more you can do and so much more to learn and so much more to be done is inspiring. Like it's different every day. It's certainly not boring. And there's just a plethora of things you can always be doing, which is inspiring. The the opportunities are endless. Yes, exactly. So what does our industry need to do to attract and retain young talent like yourself? Probably better marketing and social media efforts, as annoying as that is to say. But being a millennial, like, unfortunately, that's that's what we do. So 
looking at websites of other print companies, I'm just like, this is barely set up. It looks pretty sketchy. And like, I don't know if I'm going to get a virus from this website when it's like someone's (laughs) company's website. So that is such an easy fix. (laughs) And like upping upping your Instagram, your LinkedIn pages, and kind of like you need to gear what you put out there towards who you want to attract, right? So like when Paula was putting out the ad for another business development person, she got my help with writing it because she wanted someone young, someone maybe out of college or with a few years experience. So you need to make it attractive for that mind. Whereas a lot of the print people might, they are, they are a little bit older than the millennial age. So I think, just, think? Yeah. <laughs> I think just doing some better marketing efforts would help a lot. Okay. We will work on that. that yeah. I, fair point. No, I totally get that. All right. Now, we've come to the part of the conversation where we play mm-hmm. a game. It's a test. You have not studied for it. Oh, it's God. called, uh, we put you in the hot seat because as a sales professional, you have to make decisions. All right. Sometimes you have to answer on the fly. So I'm going to give mm-hmm. you two choices and you have to tell me which you prefer. Are you ready? Yes. Half tone or duotone? I don't even know what that means. <laughs> it's one of those outdated terms that we were yeah. talking about. Okay, pass on that one. Pikas or inches? Pikas or inches? Mm-hmm. I would say inches because I only know, I don't know what pika is. All right, <laughs> we'll get more into things. <laughs> we'll, come so into this, we'll come into this century. Cold calls or warm beer? Warm beer every day. Really? Okay. Yeah. Orioles or ravens? Ravens. Greek or Latin? Latin. <laughs> James Bond or 24-pound Bond? <laughs> um, James Bond. Uh, making the pitch or closing the deal? Ooh, closing the deal, please. Chat GPD or Bard? <laughs> Chat GPT. <laughs> Instagram or TikTok? Mm, TikTok. Envelope or envelope? Envelope. Some say envelope. Envelope. Tuesdays or Thursdays? Thursdays. Sales or marketing? Sales. Last one. King Charles or Prince? Um, I'm going to go with Prince. Good answer, yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Marnie, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time out to share your stories with us. We appreciate it. And and you truly are a rising star in this industry, so we thank you. Well, thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. And that concludes yet another episode of 40 Under 40, where we have fun and learn more about the rising stars in the print and sign industry. On behalf of Marty and myself, I want to thank you to all of our listeners. And as always, we ask you to get out there and keep making a good impression. Thank you again to our sponsor, Konica Minolta, for their support of our 40 Under 40 podcast. With their cutting-edge printing technologies and commitment to excellence, Konica Minolta continues to empower the next generation of industry leaders. Stay tuned for more inspiring episodes. And remember to visit konicaminolta.us for the latest advancements in print technology. Thank you for listening.